Welcome to the latest podcast from the Plastic Surgery Journal Club. Each month we review an appraiser journal article, typically from PRS, and summarize it for you in this podcast. The full journal can be obtained from the PRS website. Hi everyone and welcome to the November 29th, 2017 Plastic and Reconstructive Surgery Journal Club coming to you from Sydney, Australia. This is the 10th anniversary of our Journal Club. It started way back in the heady days of 2007 and here we are 10 years later and still going strong. The first paper which we looked at was direct to implant versus two-stage tissue expander implant-based reconstruction, a two-year risk and patient-reported outcome from a prospective multi-centre study. This was by Srinivasa et al. Uh, multi-center from Ann Arbor, Michigan, Houston, Texas, New York, New York. This was published in the November 2017 PRS. So the basic issue with this paper was, is direct to implant reconstruction as good as a traditional two-stage expander followed by implant reconstruction? So the background is there's been an increasing popularity of direct to implant reconstruction in recent years. We've certainly looked at a number of the papers, in particularly the landmark Embrace the Change paper, which I think we did uh, two or three years ago when it was written. So the idea that you have a single stage reconstruction, you've got decreased costs, you've got decreased hospitalization, but the concern is, is there an increased complication profile with direct to implant reconstruction? This was a prospective multi-center cohort study that looked at uh, which uh, enrolled 11 different centers across the United States. They actually deliberately diversified them, so they had a range uh, of ethnic populations. 10 of the centers were university hospitals. They recruited 1,427 patients, of which 1,328 had two-stage expanded then implant reconstruction, and 99 had direct-to-implant reconstruction with a minimum of two-year follow-up. They looked at clinical and demographic variables. They looked at the results at one- and two-year time points and the complications, which they divided into either any complications, a major complication, which, means, which meant that the patient needed either further surgery or further hospitalisation, um, any infection or a major infection, which was defined by requiring hospitalization of intravenous antibiotics or explantation. And finally, they looked at reconstructive failure. Another outcome measure they looked at was a, the patient reported outcome measure being the breast Q questionnaire. Um, in terms of the statistics, they did mixed effect regression models and adjusted for demographic and clinical characteristics. The results, well, the main thing which they found was that in the direct implant group, there were more prophylactic and nipple sparing mastectomies, um, far more than in the two-stage expanded group. Um, but there were more chemotherapy uh, cases which had adjuvant chemotherapy, adjuvant radiotherapy, and auxiliary dissection in the two-stage group. The complication rates overall were higher with the direct implant group, but none of these differences reached statistical significance. The revision surgery rate uh, was actually lower in the direct implant group, but again, this did not reach statistical significance. So the only thing that did reach statistical significance in terms of the differences between the two groups was that on one of the subsets of the breast Q questionnaire, looking at sexual well-being at the two-year time point, it was better in the direct implant group than it was with the two-stage group. So the conclusion of this paper was that there appears to be no statistically significant difference between direct-to-implant breast reconstruction and two-stage reconstruction at two years, and in fact the direct-to-implant group uh, performed slightly better in terms of sexual well-being on the breast Q questionnaire.
In terms of the way I look at this paper, I had a number of issues with it. The first thing was that they're not comparing two identical groups. The direct to implant group tended to be patients who had nipple sparing mastectomies, tended to be patients who did not have adjuvant chemotherapy, adjuvant radiotherapy, or auxiliary clearances. And all of these are associated with poor aesthetic outcomes and um, you know, uh, potentially uh, higher complications when it comes to things like auxiliary clearance and radiotherapy. So these were essentially non-equivalent groups. The other issue with the paper is that it's really markedly statistically underpowered on the DTI side, the direct implant side, in order to detect a, a difference. And this leads to the potential for there being a type 2 error, statistically speaking. Basically, they need more cases on the direct implant side to definitively say whether these two procedures are equivalent in their um, complication profile. Look, the good things about this paper is this is a large multi-centre prospective study looking at complications and patient-reported outcome measures. And one of the things that we all took solace on, um, solace as, as, as surgeons, was there was actually a remarkably high complication rate in both groups. So implant-based breast reconstruction really is uh, a technique where patients need to be warned that there's anywhere between a one in five and a one in four chance that they will have a major complication requiring rehospitalization and possibly further surgery. Um, I've already mentioned the issues with there being uh, uh, not enough power on the DTI side to, to, to detect a, di a difference. But given that this consortium has been established and I hope and assume that there is ongoing recruitment of patients into their database. I think this could be a fantastic source of future studies and uh, um, uh, future research, helping us answer questions about which subsets of patients are going to do better with a two-stage as opposed to a single-stage implant-based breast reconstruction. Thank you for listening. For more of our podcasts, head to soundcloud.com or subscribe to us on iTunes and search Plastic Surgery Journals. Remember to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. Thanks also to the PRS Journal team for their ongoing support.